0: You're listening to a sermon from St John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Take a, uh, take a seat, friends. <laughs> if I haven't uh, had the joy of meeting you before, my name is Jimmy. I'm the assistant minister here at St John's Cranbourne, and it's my great pleasure and privilege. To bring to you the sermon today. Uh, it's a great joy being here on Easter, hearing each other's voices, and the joy that is amongst us. It's a great day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And as uh, I preach this morning, I really have three things I want to share with us. Firstly, that I think the resurrection of Jesus is true and trustworthy that the resurrection of Jesus is good for us and the resurrection of Jesus is life-changing. One of my favourite things to do every single year is to wait and find out what the Macquarie Word of the Year, the Macquarie Dictionary Word of the Year. And yes, I do hear how nerdy that makes me sound. That's okay, I like words. In 2020, the word was doom scrolling. That is, the act of trawling through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, just reading bad news after bad news after bad news, not being able to tear our eyes away. In 2017, though, the word was fake news. Popularised by a certain former US president, (laughs) fake news refers to something sensational that is presented as the truth but is ultimately false. And as I sat preparing the Easter message this year, I wonder if sometimes that's how we view the resurrection. Sensational, presented as true, but ultimately false. This week I've been uh, quite sick. I've had gastro. Don't worry, I'm, I'm all fine now. Uh, I've... Partaken a lot of Easter programming though. Uh, Watched a lot of shows. And one of the things that struck me is how much Easter programming there is and how little mention of Jesus there was. Uh, and that's that's because Jesus brings a bit of contradiction. It's difficult. It's because the world around us views the claims of Jesus, his death, his life, his resurrection as sensational true uh, or presented as true but ultimately false and yet when I encounter Jesus and when I read the scriptures and as I think more and more the conclusion that I can only come to is that this is true all the facts point to this being true and in fact Regardless of whether you would call yourself a Christian, regardless of whether you would believe in the resurrection, I think there are four facts, the minimal facts, that every single person should be able to affirm and therefore must wrestle with where they lead. One, that Jesus died by crucifixion. Secondly, that there was an empty tomb. Thirdly, that people reported seeing the risen Christ. And fourth, Soon after, the church exploded in growth and power. The crucifixion of Jesus. There is rarely or barely a New Testament historian or scholar who disputes that there was a Nazarene called Jesus who was crucified on a Roman cross. It is almost uniformly seen as historical fact. But it's not a, a leap or a jump to believe that Jesus died, the difficult claims come that he rose. So what about the empty tomb? Well, the very first thing that happens in every single gospel account is actually one of the things that point to this being true. Every single gospel account starts with a woman discovering an empty tomb, that Jesus is not there. Now, in our modern context, that might not strike us as strange or, or distinct at all, but in the context that the Bible is written to, first century Israel, that would have been a stunning claim. Because whilst in our culture, women are heard and seen and respected at least most of the time, in ancient culture, that was not the case. See, it was true then that a woman's testimony had no legal standing in court, could not be introduced as evidence. In fact, Jewish historian Josephus once wrote that even the witness of multiple women was not acceptable because of the levity and boldness of their sex. As an ancient historian. Celsus, a second century critic of Christianity, mocked the idea of Mary Magdalene. He described her as a hysterical female deluded by sorcery. The fact that every single gospel account starts with women discovering the empty tomb is actually evidence that there was an empty tomb. See, historians have something called a criterion of embarrassment. That is, we are not likely to make up stories that are embarrassing to us or that hurt our credentials. Similarly, when we tell lies, we don't tell them to make ourselves look worse, we tell them to make ourselves look better or feel better. If the gospel writers were trying to come up with, concoct some story, some lie, they'd come up with a different one, one where the men discovered the empty tomb. No, the fact that women discovered the empty tomb is actually evidence that that's likely literally what happened, not Made up. The third fact that every all of us must grapple with is that people reported seeing the risen Christ after his death. Non-Christian New Testament scholar Gerd Ludemann he writes that it may be taken as historically certain that Peter and the disciples had experiences after Jesus' death in which Jesus appeared to them as the risen Christ. Non-Christian, historically certain. These experiences were enough to convince skeptics and persecutors, including James, the brother of Jesus, and the apostle Paul. Let me tell you, I have a brother, and if I appeared before him, he'd pretty well, well know whether it was me or not. You could wear a funny beard. You could wear a hat like I sometimes do. He'd know who I was. The fact that James, the brother of Jesus, was convinced, no, 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 this is exactly who he says he is, Jesus of Nazareth, is interesting evidence. Lastly, soon after this, the church exploded in both growth and power. The discouraged, disaffected disgraced defeated disciples, whose most recent acts of courage included Peter denying Jesus three times and the Apostle John running away naked from the Roman soldiers, suddenly turn into the boldest and most courageous leaders of the early church, willing to endure persecution, willing to endure torture, and ultimately death. Because they so believed that Jesus had raised from the dead. And the question that we must all sit with, whether we are Christian or not, is why? What is the most likely reason for all these four facts? I can only conclude it's because they met, witnessed, experienced the risen Lord Jesus that rose from the dead and exited the tomb. That, I think, is the most likely outcome. The resurrection is true. But something can be true and meaningless. Something can be true or understood and go, yeah, I believe in that, but it doesn't change anything. And that's why the resurrection is not just true, but the resurrection is good. In the lovely reading we had from 1 Corinthians 15 this morning, Paul talks again and again about the gospel. But what he says a little bit later is that if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then our faith is futile and we are still in our sins. In fact, a couple of verses after this, I don't have that verse on the screen, he says that if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, Christians above all other people are to be pitied. We're putting a lot in the resurrection of Jesus. But I think it's not just because Paul says we're to be pitied because we believed a lie, but we're to be pitied because we have missed out on something profound. We have missed out on what Jesus promises because what Jesus promises us in the gospel is something incredible. What he accomplishes is profound. Earlier, in the Gospels, Jesus talks about the, the, good, uh, the, the kingdom of God being like a treasure in a field. That if you discovered it, you would sell everything you had in order to possess it. And I think what Paul's tr- sort of trying to point out is that for a Christian in the resurrection of Jesus, we have a treasure in a field If he has not been raised, we have lost everything. But if he has been raised, what a profound blessing. What a profound treasure we have. Because if the resurrection of Jesus is true, just think about what it accomplishes for us. Because of the resurrection, we have peace with God forever. Because of the resurrection, we have atonement for our sins Because of the resurrection, we get to spend eternity with God. Because of the resurrection, we have hope that everyone who trusts in him will not be put to shame, but inherit eternal life. Because of the resurrection, we know that we will be justified in the law court of the Lord. Because of the resurrection, we know that what God did in raising Jesus from the dead will happen to us too. Because of the resurrection, our resurrection is guaranteed. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, we are included with Christ and adopted into his family forever. The resurrection is not just true, it is profoundly good for us. It accomplishes something for us. Peter Hitchens, the brother of noted atheist Christopher Hitchens, was once asked at the Festival of Dangerous Ideas, which Sidebar, great name for a festival. Festival of Dangerous Ideas in 2013 was asked, what is the most dangerous idea that you know? And he said to the crowd, the most dangerous idea I have ever heard is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And when pushed and pressed a little more, he said these words. It's dangerous because it alters the whole of human behaviour, all our responsibilities. It turns the universe from a meaningless chaos into a designed place in which there is justice, there is hope, there is a duty to discover the nature of that justice and the nature of that hope. It alters us all. If we reject it, it alters us as well. It is incredibly dangerous. The resurrection of Jesus is not just true. The resurrection of Jesus is good for us. It accomplishes something in us, through us. For us. But the resurrection of Jesus is not just true and good, it is also life changing. I've read the gospel accounts of the resurrections many, many times. And it only struck me this week how profound the story of Mary is. I've skimmed over it time and time again. But as I read out these verses, I wonder if you close your eyes and put yourself in the place of Mary, tears rolling down her face, distressed that someone had stolen the body of Jesus. Let me read from verse 11. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. She told them that he had said these things to her. Can just imagine being in the place of Mary, distressed, in despair, tears rolling down her face at the thought that someone had stolen Jesus, someone had taken away her friend Jesus, someone had taken away her Lord Jesus. And suddenly angels appear. She would have thought she was going insane. In fact, a man appears in front of her, the resurrected Jesus, but for whatever reason, she cannot recognise him. Perhaps tears rolling down her face obstructing her view. But do you notice what changes everything for Mary? What puts an end to her grief, her confusion, her entire devastation? Jesus calls her by her name. In verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. Earlier in the gospel, Jesus says that the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Mary could not recognize Jesus with tears rolling down her face but when she heard his voice everything became clear because Jesus had called her by name. And what I wonder this morning is has Jesus called you by name? Is Jesus calling you by name? Do you know him? Do you trust him? Do you follow him? Perhaps this is your 500th church service. Perhaps you come to Easter again and again and again. Is Jesus calling your name? One of the things we know from the story of Judas is that you can publicly affirm relationship with Jesus and deny him in your heart. Judas, Judas kissed him on the cheek as he was betraying him. Public affection for the Lord does not mean that we haven't heard from Jesus. Is the Lord calling your name? Do you know him? Do you trust him? Have you put your faith in him? Perhaps you wandered in here this morning, convinced that this was the place where you'd get the best hot cross buns. And if not the best, then maybe the most hot cross buns. Is Jesus calling your name? Perhaps you've never set foot in front of a church. Perhaps you have no idea what's really going on. But Jesus is still calling your name. Calling you to trust him and place your faith in him. Maybe you've come this morning weighed down by shame, weighed down by grief, weighed down by sin. Is Jesus calling your name? See, we could walk away this morning and go, I believe the resurrection is true and the resurrection is good. But the thing we really have to wrestle with, the thing we really have to grapple with is, is Jesus calling my name? Am I included in his family? Do I believe in him? His life, his death, and his resurrection. That's what's truly worth wrestling with. Because If he's calling your name, if you see the resurrection as true, see the resurrection as good and life-changing, it is profound. Mary walks away, tears no longer, distress gone. And what does she say? I have seen the Lord. My prayer this morning is that we would walk away similarly. That we would know Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection as true, as good, as life changing, that we would know him and the life he offers. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the life of Jesus. We thank you for his death, but this morning we thank you for his resurrection. We thank you that it is trustworthy. That this is no mere symbolic action, no mere story to be passed down, but historical fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We thank you, though, that it accomplishes something for us. That because Jesus was raised from the dead, we can be with him forever. That anyone who places their trust in him, who he calls by name, will know him forever, be with him forever, have their sins washed clean forever. God, I pray for all of us this morning that we would wrestle with that. Do we trust in the resurrection of Jesus? Do we trust that it is true, trust that it is good, trust that it is life-changing? God, would we put aside time this week to sit and wrestle and reflect with that? Has Jesus called me by name? Is he calling me by name? Do I know him? God, we pray that you would bring people to know him this morning. That we would leave this place, not merely saying that Christ is risen, but believing in our hearts that he is risen indeed. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.